Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed. My faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. It's so wonderful to get out of depression, to get out of being negative and only seeing the worst in everything. That's a, a result and symptoms of a weak spirit and no faith. When you get stronger in faith, even though you may still be dealing with some unpleasant circumstances, you don't just live out here, you live in here. You live in your consciousness, in your mind, in your heart. And even though you might still be dealing with some uncomfortable things, if you're confident that God's heard your prayer, that your seed is being multiplied, whatever the case might be, and you've got good things in the works for you headed your way and your outcome is victory and a good testimony, well, you can bear with today until you get there. Yes. Or, you know, maybe not all day till this afternoon, <laughs> whatever the case is. But uh, when you have no strength and no faith, then you have no hope, no expectation, and you just are despondent of life. You just, that's how people get suicidal. You just go, well, I don't want to live like this. Well, who said it had to be like this forever? Well, I'm having a bad day. The day ain't over. Why, why prophesy about the whole day? <laughs> Maybe you had a bad morning. Let's look forward and let the weak say, I am strong, right? Uh, let the, the poor say, I'm rich. Let the sick say, I'm healed. Call those things that be not as though they were. Get your words working for you instead of against you. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the class. Let's release faith and get built up today. Father, we thank you so much that we do have hope in you. And it is a, a living hope, a sure hope, uh, an eternal hope, an expectation of great and good. Uh, we ask you, Lord, strengthen everyone under the sound of our voice. Strengthen them with strength by your spirit in their inner man. We say, be strong. Yea, be strong. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I receive it. I, I receive it. And Lord, we, we acknowledge that the greater one is not against us, but the greater one's in us against the lesser one outside. And we thank you in advance for help and victory and healing and deliverance and provision and protection and every good and perfect gift. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I'm a winner. I'm, a winner. I'm an overcomer. I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Amen. That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. And that's who you, you need to decide to be who God made you to be. We've been studying for some weeks now a topic that we're calling faith for healing. And in doing so, uh, we're looking at the individual cases of healing that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And we've gotten down to number six in our study, the healing of the centurion's servant. You'll find this recorded in um, Matthew 8 and also in Luke uh, 7. I'm going to read to you. Let's go to Luke 7 today. I'm going to read in Luke 7 in the Phillips translation. We read Matthew in it, but let's read Luke now in this. Luke 7 and verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished these talks to the people, he came to Capernaum, where it happened there was a man very seriously ill, and in fact at the point of death. He was the slave of a centurion who thought very highly of him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him with the request that he would come and save his servant's life. When they came to Jesus, they urged him strongly to grant this request, saying that the centurion deserved to have this done for him. He said, he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue out of his own pocket, they said. So Jesus went with them, but as he approached the house, the centurion sent some of his personal friends with the message. Don't trouble yourself, sir. I'm not important enough for you to come into my house. I didn't think it was fit to come to you in person. Just give the order, please, and my servant will recover. We see in a few moments here, like we've already studied, that Jesus called this man's faith great. He only said that a couple of times in our records, in these accounts. So this is very significant. Uh, I mean, he told people numerous times, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Be it to you as you believed according to your faith. But he didn't tell them their faith was great just that they had faith and that it was doing a job. And here, he uses another word, that, that this man's faith is great. So much so, it impressed Jesus. He marveled at it. He marveled at it. How many think Jesus was not easily impressed with things that weren't important? Yeah. No. <laughs> so this is a big deal, Right? For him to marvel at this is something you should marvel at too. Not in the sense that it could never happen, but in the sense of how important it is, how significant it is. So what do we see that lets us know he, he had great faith? How did he come to this place where he has what Jesus calls great faith? And we've already seen one of them is uh, humility. And one of them is honor. Everybody said out loud, honor, honor. and humility. And humility. Th these are two of the big keys to great faith. The devil is a uh, demeanor. He's always belittling, always demeaning, always trying to devalue. And you, this, this has affected our society in so many ways. Uh, people act like nothing's important. Uh, everything is no big deal. And, uh, you know, people have gotten away from any kind of a sir 
or a ma'am or a title. Uh, regardless of how you feel about the person in the place of authority, we're told to respect the place, right? And if you don't respect the place, then you don't respect the fact that God has ordained that there be authorities. Romans 13 talks in detail about this. God has ordained that there be a structure of authority. Now, people don't like that today because they like to say, well, no, we're, we're all the same. We're all the same. Well, yes and no. If you want to say in God, believers are all equally loved. Yes, all equally made righteous and clean by the blood. Yes, all equally have access to the Holy Spirit, to the Word, to healing, etc., etc. Yes, yes. But we don't all have the same place uh, as far as graces and anointings. You'll find that the scripture uh, talks about when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And it talks about first apostles, secondarily prophets, after that teachers. Uh, why does he say first, second, third? There is a structure of authority. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus himself, when he has finished what he's doing in this segment of time and redemption, it goes on to say that he himself will submit himself to the Father, that the Father may be all in all. And the scripture says about the Holy Spirit, he doesn't speak of himself. He says what he hears the Master and the Father say, there's structure in the Godhead. Is that right? There's order, a structure of authority. The one who hates authority and submission is the rebel, the devil. He hates any mention of submission <laughs> or obedience. Oh, he hates it. He hates, why? Because he rebelled against the authority of God. And he's, he's continued to push that ever since. And one day, before too long, he's going to be completely removed from human contact and, and, and he and his in the lake of fire. Uh, but it, until then, the Spirit says, excuse me, the Scripture says that the spirit of disobedience is at work throughout the earth and the whole earth lies under this power of darkness. Satan being called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You and I should not exhibit pride and defiance and disobedience and rebellion, should we? That means you're yielding to the wrong spirit. You're yielding to the spirit of disobedience. That's, uh, I mean, you don't have to look far to, to, to see the spirit of disobedience, do you? Oh, man. Uh, anybody, uh, the flesh just wants to say, no, no, nobody can tell me what to do. I do what I want to do the way I want to do it. Nobody's over me. Well, that's the enemy. I said, that's the enemy, but not Jesus. Was Jesus that way? Oh, no. 
He said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. I always do, he said, what pleases the Father. He is, was and is, the perfect example of humility and submission. And isn't he? Jesus? Well, is he your ultimate example? Then you want to follow in his footsteps. And can you see why? Uh, this man has great faith. He exhibits this, doesn't he? He exhibits honor and respect. He exhibits humility. And he exhibits, thirdly, an understanding of authority. Oh, hallelujah. And this is something the enemy hopes you never get a hold of because this authority is over him. Over him. Uh, let's keep reading this. He said, uh, when Jesus uh, went with them as he approached the house, verse 6, Luke 7, 6, the centurion sent some personal friends with the message, don't trouble yourself, sir. I'm not important enough for you to come into my house. I didn't think I was fit to come to you in person. Just give the order, please, and my servant will recover. I'm used to working under orders. And I have soldiers under me, and I can say to one, go, and he goes. I can say to another, come here, and he comes. I can say to my slave, do this job, and he does it. These words amazed Jesus, and he turned to the crowd who were following behind him, and he said, I have never found faith like this anywhere, even in Israel. Then those who had been sent by the centurion returned to the house and found the servant perfectly well. Did it pay off? My, my, my. Now, now go back with me to Matthew 8 and notice this. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, 8.5, there came to him a centurion beseeching him, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I thought we just got through reading in Luke that he sent elders to Jesus. What does this say? A centurion came to him, beseeching him. A centurion came to him. Is there a mistake here? Did somebody get it wrong? We find out You'd have to add to the scripture to say this centurion ever saw Jesus personally. Because initially he sent the elders of the Jews and they talked to Jesus. And when he saw them from a distance coming, he, he then sent friends to meet Jesus and intercept him. So Jesus never made it to the house. And the centurion was at his house. So I, I don't know that they ever met face to face or shook hands or said hi. Or. So how then can Matthew say it like this? The centurion came to him. When he never actually personally did. How can he say that? Like we said earlier in the week. Luke 11.49 refers to Scripture as the wisdom of God. 
And you will see, um, I've been studying the scripture for a few decades myself now, and it is amazing is what it is. Um, the precision and accuracy with which things are foretold in the Old Testament and how they have already come to pass. Some of them are yet to come to pass. But if you really understand it, how could you doubt it? How could you? Who could say that and foretell that? Who would know that unless someone outside and above time is seeing the end from the beginning? And yet, if you're an unbeliever and you don't respect God and you don't respect His Word, you won't understand it. You won't see it. It'll be a closed book to you because these things are precious the wisdom of God. And he doesn't cast his pearls before swine or give that which is holy to the dogs. What does it mean? He doesn't uh, give precious things to people who don't appreciate them. Nor should you. Nor should you. And so time after time in my study, and I've studied the scripture some, you'll come across something you don't understand. That'll happen the rest of your life. <laughs> you'll come across something and you'll maybe see another passage or two and it seems like, well, hold on now. That doesn't agree. If that's true, how can that be true? All you found is something you don't understand. And there's been thing after thing like that that maybe six months later, maybe a year later, maybe ten, late, ten years later, I go, oh, <laughs> Oh, and it goes off and you go, well, yeah, this, it was there all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just sure that's what's going to be happening to us for years and, and a long time after we get out of this body and go to be with the Lord. And we had all these questions down here and all these things we didn't know. And just ever so often you'll go, oh, oh, okay, no wonder. And then a few years later, you'll go, oh, <laughs> it'll just start clearing up for you. But a wise man or woman who loves God will show respect to the word when you don't understand it. You'll say, well, I, I don't know why that says that that way, but there must be a good reason. Right? There must be a good reason. And what I do I just do this on a regular basis. I'll pause just a moment and I'll say, Lord, teach me about that. Help me to understand what that means. Ask. Hmm? Yes. Pride assumes and presumes. Humility asks. <laughs> right? I'm saying, I know you're right. I know your word's right. I know that. Uh, but I don't, I don't get it. I don't see that. It looks to me like they don't agree. So that just means I don't know something. I don't understand something. Lord, reveal that to me, please, as you would. Show me. And, uh, you know, some things you just have to grow and develop for the Lord to even be able to talk to you about it. Yes. You know, there are questions three and four-year-olds and five-year-olds can ask. You can't really answer them. You could answer them, but they don't understand what you're talking about. You could go into great detail about it, and, and they're just looking at you with the deer in the headlight look. They, they don't know. They have to develop 
and get some experience to even know what you're talking about, to even be able to understand it. Well, how, what kind of gap is there between us and God? <laughs> right? Dear me, how long he's been around and how long you've been around and what he knows and what you know. And so faith is going to express humility and honor, honor for God, honor for his word. Can you see that that's what this man did? He shows respect. How can it say the centurion came to him? When Luke said he never met him, he never saw him, you know, except, except maybe from a distance. He said this to reveal how powerful delegated authority is. Are you listening, class? He said this because in every way that matters, he did go. Because when they came, when the elders came to Jesus, they did not come on their behalf. They weren't speaking on their behalf. He sent them. Is that right? And they're speaking on his behalf as his authorized delegates. And that is so real spiritually that you're not doing any harm to say you did it. That's how God talks, right? He sends angels to do something, and yet he'll say, he did it, right? I did it. He'll send prophets and apostles to say things and do things, and yet he'll say, I said it, right? And yet it came out of their mouth. You heard them say, this we need a revelation in. I said, we need a revelation in. And the whole topic here is about authority. Right? Authority. The man's a military man. He understands authority. He acknowledges that Jesus has authority. And he wants Jesus to use that authority on behalf of his servant boy, which he did. And that's why the scripture words this the way it does. Because it wants us to understand if you are speaking for somebody that sent you and authorized you, it's the same as if they spoke. Well, has the Lord sent anybody? Has the Lord, oh, come on, are you seeing so? Has the Lord authorized anyone? What does it mean when you say, I come in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. I speak this or that in the name of Jesus. Can it be in these cases it's the same as him saying it? Huh? Yes. When you understand that you've been authorized and sent and empowered, uh, authority, one definition of authority means the right to do something. The right to use something. The right to exercise control in an area. 
This is how things work spiritually. You, you don't have to yell and scream at the top of your voice for three days and nights. It's not fasting for 14 days that gives you authority. Now, it can help you get your flesh quiet and get more aware of spiritual things, but fasting doesn't give you authority. Can you see that? Making a thousand confessions doesn't give you authority. You either have it or you don't. It was either given to you or it wasn't. But you have to become fully persuaded and convinced that it's been given to you. Enough that you will boldly act like it. Hallelujah. Not trying it, not attempting it. You're so persuaded that you have been authorized and empowered to speak on his behalf. That is so real spiritually that the enemy sees it the same as if the Lord said it. It could be said that the Lord said it. And yet, it came out of your mouth. Ooh, are we getting into some big stuff here? Go to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 20. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Listen to the, the New Living translation of that. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador doesn't represent his or herself. They represent whoever sent them. God is making his appeal through us. This is New Living. We speak for Christ. When we say, we plead, come back to God. Say that out loud. We speak for Christ. We speak for Christ. Wow. <laughs> That's a big word. Right? That's really what it means. In the name of Jesus is not a magical incantation like hocus pocus, abracadabra, in the name of Jesus. We know the seven sons of Siva, they tried that. <laughs> you remember that in book of Acts? Didn't work. Why? Because it's not a magic phrase. What is it? It is a realization. I've been authorized by the Lord. I've been sent by the Lord. I've been empowered by the Lord. When I say in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking on his behalf. Hallelujah. And that's why when you really do that, the devil flees. Can you see why he flees? And that's cause, not because he's looking at you and he's so scared of you, but it's because he don't see you. He don't hear you. He hears the one that sent you. Oh, hallelujah. Can you see this? What a wonderful, powerful truth. Somebody say, I am authorized to speak in his name. I am empowered to act on his behalf. Hallelujah. 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 And our time's up again today. I think you can see we're not done with this. We got come back tomorrow. We're going to find out more about you've been authorized. We'll see you next time here in Faith School. I've got the victory.
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.